0: Well, it's very good to be here with you this morning. Um, my friends, the flocks, asked me, uh, how was your trip up from Phoenix? And I said that it was uh, uneventful. And that's the way I like it, uneventful. However, I think we all realize that life is not always like that. Life is not always like that. So would you bow in prayer with me before we consider uh, Proverbs 27.1. Our Father, we are thankful for your holy word. We are thankful that you protect and preserve the scriptures throughout history for us. And we are thankful, Father, that really all that we need to know about loving you, serving you, and living a life that is proper, you have given to us in the Holy Scriptures. So as we consider uh, Proverbs 27 this morning, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate our minds, that you would give us a teachable spirit, and Father, that you would please protect us from error. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so regarding um, eventful non-eventful trips. Uh, I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona, right in the center of the town, and I went to Phoenix West High School. When I was a high school student, I was invited to go deer hunting with one of my friends from school. My friend's family, they owned a cabin near Payson, and they were very successful deer hunters. My parents allowed me to go, So after football practice, one late October afternoon, we made the trip up north. I was so excited in anticipation of what this hunt would bring. I had great difficulty sleeping that night. I finally did go to sleep, got up the next morning, went out hunting, had a wonderful time but I was not successful. I did not have the skill to be successful, which is to say that uh, I can't shoot straight. Uh, Anyway, uh, my first day of the hunt, again, was great, and I wasn't depressed, I wasn't unhappy, because I knew that I had another day before returning home. The second night, I had absolutely no trouble sleeping the lights went out and I went out sleeping like a baby. However, I was awakened with the sound of people outside of the cabin yelling, fire, fire. We quickly went outside to learn that the forest was on fire and moving our way. We were told that our help was needed to try to contain the fire, so we quickly loaded the Land Cruiser with axes and shovels and we drove toward the flames. We did not get very far because the driver hit a large rock in the road, wasn't paying careful attention, hit that rock and the vehicle rolled on its side. And it so happened that the driver had his arm outside of the door and his arm was pinned underneath the vehicle. Now, what in the world is going on here I thought? This was supposed to be another day of peaceful, uh, great, wonderful deer hunting, but it did not turn out that way. I thought, what in the world are we going to do now? We've got a trapped man in considerable pain and a fire moving in our direction. Another vehicle quickly arrived and helped us uh, to jack up the vehicle to remove the injured driver. After the driver's arm was put in a crude splint, We went to the fire and worked on making a fire barrier. More people arrived and by mid-afternoon the fire was pretty much contained. Then we traveled back to Phoenix. Possibly for the first time in my life I really saw the uncertainty of life. No one knows for sure what a day will bring. My full expectation was that this morning would be a morning of great deer hunting, not a morning in which I found myself rolled in a Toyota and then firing, and then fighting a forest fire. But deer hunting was not what that day would bring. One of the better known Proverbs in the book of Proverbs is Proverbs 21, excuse me, 27, verse 1. It reads, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day will bring. And this is similar to the James passage that was read earlier, but I'll read it again. James 4, beginning at verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. This morning, we will consider the matter of living in an ever-changing sinful world without knowing what a day will bring. I will organize my remarks uh, around three points. Number one, there are some things that we know for sure about tomorrow. And that is really the general context for Proverbs 27.1. Next, we'll look at the question, why God keeps some things secret from us that will happen tomorrow? And three, how then are we to live not knowing everything that a day will bring? Again number one, there are some things we know for sure about tomorrow. The Bible teaches us many things about tomorrow which we may know with certainty. I think the most important is that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. No one will ever wake up tomorrow and discover that God has changed. The nature of God remains the same. As the Westminster Shorter Catechism puts it, God is spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Furthermore... God's relationship to his creation also remains the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God sustains and directs everything that happens. The living and true God has been, is, and will always be the sustainer, the ruler, and the judge of all the earth. All the promises we read about in the Bible, God keeps some of which apply to the future. There will never come a day when anyone will again wake up in the morning and learn that God has changed his mind and has decided I'm not gonna keep this promise or that promise which I've given in my word. God keeps all of his promises. Therefore we know that reading from Genesis eight at verse 22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. From this promise, we know about what is called the uniformity of nature. We know that tomorrow will be very much like today in many important respects. For example, God said, while the earth remains, there will be day and night. How do we know that the sun will rise tomorrow? Because God has said that while the earth remains, there will be day and night. In other words, there will be the rising of the sun to produce light so that we have day. And there will be the setting of the sun to produce darkness and therefore night. Please, please, do not think that this is a small, insignificant matter. It is a very important matter. For those who mistakenly believe that the only real things are space, time, and matter in motion, how do they explain the regularity of the day night cycle? How do they explain that matter will behave in the same way such that tomorrow we will have many of the same things that we have expected today or experienced today? And so, How would someone who believes that there's only time, space, and the random movement of atoms, how would they, for example, explain that objects heavier than air when unsuspended fall to the ground? How would they explain that water boils at sea level at 212 degrees Fahrenheit all over the planet? And how would they explain that the opposite poles of magnets attract each other day after day? You see, without these regularities in the natural world, life would pretty much be impossible, would it not? Christians explain these things by the promises of God. God will surely keep His promises dealing with tomorrow until the end of the world, and we need to be very thankful for that. The Bible reveals that the true nature of man is something that remains the same. Man has been created by God. He is God's creature. God brings man into existence and sustains him from one moment to the next. As such, man is fully dependent upon his creator. This will remain the same forever. Furthermore, the Bible teaches us that every son and daughter of Adam and Eve, every son and daughter of Adam and Eve is a sinner. There's been a lot of dispute about the moral makeup of man for quite some time. Some say that man is basically good and the environment influences us to do bad things. Others say that man is basically bad, so we do bad things because of what is inside of us. The Bible asserts that man is basically bad or basically a sinner. Man is a sinful creature, and that sinful creature remains the same throughout time. Yes, there is conversion, and those that are converted, there is a new heart, a heart that is spiritually alive, but spiritually alive, Christians remain sinners. Therefore, tomorrow will bring a day in which sinners act as sinners. We heard uh, earlier this morning in the uh, Sunday school class that we should expect coyotes to act like coyotes, in which case we should expect sinners to act like sinners. Neither the government nor the schoolroom can change the moral nature of man. As long as a sinful world remains, we will never see a change in the moral nature of man. We know for sure what tomorrow will bring in terms of the nature of man. Man will remain a sinful creature totally dependent upon God and fully responsible to his creator. Sinful man's moral duty remains the same throughout time. True, There are specific particular duties that God has placed upon some people, but not all people. God commanded Noah to build an ark. I don't know of anyone else that was commanded to build an ark. However, we do in fact see that there are certain things that God commands of all people, summarized simply in the words that we are to love God with all our heart and we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, And that is something that cannot change. Certain parts of the Mosaic law have not remained binding throughout time. For example, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross has put an end to the Mosaic sacrificial system. However, from the time of Adam and Eve, certain moral duties again remain the same for everyone and they will remain that way until the end of time. Adam and Eve did not need to ask, nor do we need to get up one morning and ask, do we really need to obey God's law from a loving heart? The answer is, of course we do. We will always have to do that. The Bible plainly teaches that the plan of salvation will remain the same throughout time. People are saved from their sins by grace alone through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. We know for sure what tomorrow will bring in terms of what someone must do in order to be saved. The forgiveness of sins comes by means of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation yesterday, today, as well as tomorrow requires a saving knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which comes from hearing and believing the word of God. As we are told in Romans 10:17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We can rest fully assured that tomorrow will not bring a new way of salvation. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. There is one gospel and only one gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and this will remain the same throughout time. And so the point is, the statement that we have in Proverbs 27.1, we do not know what a day will bring. That is to be taken within the context of, we know for certain, all kinds of things that will remain the same tomorrow. Number two, why does God keep some things secret from us that will happen tomorrow? Why? Why? Well, the things that we need to know about tomorrow in order to live a life pleasing to God, they have been revealed to us. The Bible gives us the essentials or the must-have information about the future for godly living. Yes, there are some things that have not been revealed to us. We know this. Consider Deuteronomy 29 at verse 29. It reads... The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Our question now is why are there these secret things pertaining to the future, things that God has not revealed to us, why? Well, what we need to understand this is absolutely clear, is that those things that we need to know have been revealed to us. And the things which are secret are those things that we don't need to know. The important lesson here from Deuteronomy twenty-nine, twenty-nine is that God reveals to us what we need to know to love Him, to obey Him, to please Him. There are no secrets that God has hidden from us, which he holds us responsible to know that we cannot know because he has hidden them from us. That does not exist. Now, there are a number of things that could be the reason for the secret things of God kept secret from us. There are a number of things. It could be that the secret things are simply none of our business. It could be. In other words, God reveals information or allows us to discover information on the basis of what is our business in this world. The things uh, that are our business Uh, My business, your business are the things we need to know in order to honor him, in order to live a life that is pleasing to him and that is really enough. This is like the American military which often dispenses information on a need to know basis. Now throughout the history of the Christian church people have asked all kinds of questions and sometimes I think we ask too many questions. Uh, But people have wanted to know, for example, the exact time and circumstances of the Lord Jesus Christ's return to earth. This information has been kept secret by God. Why? Well, it could be that this is simply not our business. It's not something that is needed in order to serve him. Now, it could be that the secret things of God are those things that are also not good for us to know. In other words, the secret things are things that we cannot handle or deal with properly. That's a possibility. The secret things are those things that are better for us not to know because they would be a stumbling block for us in serving God. For example, if God were to reveal the precise time and circumstances of my death or my wife's death, I am sure that this would be something that would be difficult for me to handle. It would be difficult for me to focus on doing the task that God has given me to do at this time. This information, the information that I could not handle, I could not handle because it may produce stress, anxiety, and lack of ability to focus on my work. This is something that God keeps from me. It could be that the secret things of God are secret in order to help people, his people, more fully trust in him and not ourselves. Now, the unknown normally makes people uncomfortable and even in some cases, terrified. Therefore, it could be that the unknown future leads God's people more and more to rely upon him for what will happen to them tomorrow and that day again and again. The point here is that God's secrets can be functioning as a means of grace to God's people. We are to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. We are not to lean on our own understanding of the various secret things that will happen to us in the future, but rather we are to trust God. God knows what the future will bring because he has planned it and because he will bring it to pass. And what we need to do is we need to trust God that He will take care of us. We need to trust in God's promise that He will never leave us or forsake us, Matthew twenty-eight twenty. What we need is to trust in God's promise that for those that love God, that are the called according to His purpose, Romans eight twenty eight. everything will work out for our own good. It will work out for our own good, no matter how tragic, no matter how unexpected it is. Now, if anyone tells you that trusting God for the future, for the unknown future, is easy, no big deal, they're simply not telling you the truth. It is not normal, natural, easy for sinful hearts to do this. Complete trust in God for the future is a goal that all Christians should have. It is a goal that is more and more approximated through sanctification, but it is a goal that will always remain unobtainable in this world, but we need to work on that. We need to trust the Lord. Now, it could be that some of the secret things are secret because we human beings cannot understand them. As finite, temporal, changeable creatures, we do not have the conceptual framework in which to comprehend certain things. Now historically, Christians have correctly maintained that God is beyond the creature's full comprehension. Our understanding of God and the ways of God are only partial and sometimes mixed with distortion. We only can and do correctly understand God in His ways in a limited and perfect sense. We read in Romans twelve thirty three O, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. Therefore God keeps some things secret, because there would be no point in giving us what we cannot understand. Now I remember I was uh, in New York with my wife a number of years ago and got a phone call, went to the phone, and it was my youngest son, and he was crying. Very, very upset. He could barely speak to me and his wife. They had had no children. His wife just lost their first child. And what he wanted to know, he wanted to know why, Dad, why? Tell me why God did this. And, uh, of course, my explanation to him was, you know, I don't know. And even if some kind of a reason were given to us, I don't know that we could still put it in the proper framework and understand it. This is something that is in the secret will of God, and we must submit to that. So, I've listed a number of things here. Which one of these reasons is the reason for the secret things of God? Well, I'm not sure. It could be some of these reasons, or I think more likely... uh, All of these reasons at times pertain. I think a biblical defense can be given for each reason. However, I must admit that it could be that none of these reasons is really the reason. There could be something that I am simply not aware of. But I can tell you for sure. And you can, to use an expression uh, from our society, or or, our vulgar society, uh, you can take this to the bank. God has a good reason for keeping some things secret from us about the future. He's got a good reason for that. Now, how do I know that? Well, because of the holiness of God. God's holiness accounts for the things that he has kept secret from us. God has determined that it is right to withhold certain information from us about the future and God is holy and what He has determined that needs to be withheld is the right thing to do and that is what He does. Number three, how then are we to live not knowing everything a day will bring? Again, when we look at that passage from Proverbs 27.1, we do not know what a day will bring. Really, I think that is to be understood in terms of we do not know everything that a day will bring. We have lots of things that we do know for sure. So, how are we supposed to live? Well, Proverbs 27.1 says, do not boast about tomorrow. This is how we are to live not knowing everything that a day will bring. Don't brag to others about the great things you will do tomorrow or what you think you will do tomorrow. It is because we do not know what a day will bring that it is not for us to boast about tomorrow. Now hear this, boasting about tomorrow involves the false idea that we control the future. The truth is God controls the future. As fully dependent creatures, we can do nothing apart from our creator. In God, we live, move, and have our being, Acts 17, 28. You see, when someone boasts about the things that they think they're going to do tomorrow, they are claiming that they have the power and the wisdom in and of themselves to make this happen. And that's just not true. Now... It is true that people do have a measure of power, a measure of influence to some degree of what will happen in the future. But what is the source of this human power or this uh, human wisdom that has some effect on the future? The Bible plainly teaches it is God. It is God that gives us a measure of power and wisdom to influence the future. However, this human influence is always, I repeat, always within God's holy and wise plan. It is always within his holy and wise plan for the world. It is God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13. God rules the past, present, and future. Behind everything we do is the all-powerful, most wise, and absolute holy God. When it comes to what happens in the past, present, and future, the creature has nothing to boast about. Nebuchadnezzar recognized this. It took a while. God had to give him a lesson. Uh, But Nebuchadnezzar recognized this and he said about God, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the hands All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can restrain his hand or say to him,